Welcome back, everybody, to the Be Kind Rewind show. Talking about the movies that nobody seems to like, yet everybody has a strong opinion about. We like to celebrate the silver linings of the silver screen here, and we have a special, special show today. I've been really excited about doing this movie. Uh, the very inception uh, of this podcast, this was always one of my top two or three films that I wanted to talk about. The first one being Star Wars, Phantom Menace. Uh, the second one was Batman and Robin. And this one was always number three on the list. We're talking today about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And you're going, huh, what is that? This was a movie made in 1979 starring Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I said. Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. And we're going to get into this. But first, I want to talk about my illustrious guests that I've got lined up today. I'm so excited to have you guys here. First to my right, the wonderful Miss Lita Harris Newstetter. How are you, Lita? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. Ooh. I'm very, very well. Lita is an arts educator. Uh, right lately, she's been performing do dueling p pianos at the Brickyard here in lovely Boise, Idaho. And she will be the guest keyboardist. For sole purpose, again, here in the Treasure Valley. And she recently performed an original musical piece at Story Story Night, which we will definitely link to that here on the site. Can you say hello again, Lita? Hello. 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 I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And then to her right is the wonderful Miss Erin Westfall. She is a choreographer, an actress, a dancer, an adventurer. I've had the privileges, privilege of working with her for uh, on several different projects over the years, and I am just tickled pink to have you here today, Aww, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks. Glad Jeez. to be here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, you've got a lot of strong opinions about this movie, so I'm really excited to I get do. to these. Right on. So I think you're, you're one of the few people that really didn't have to do a lot of research. I think you no. uh, you had no, it down. I've seen it once or twenty times. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we have uh, Stephanie Michelle Lucalani Cullen, OMG female filmmaker. I practiced it and I butchered it. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Stephanie is a filmmaker working on the beginning stages of her film festival. She uh, has um, lots of filmmaking background. Again, I had the privilege of working with her on a project years ago. That's where I met her. And it's been a delight ever since. And she's also uh, the curator of OMG Female, Female Filmmakers. As I stumble over myself like an idiot and I apologize. But thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. All I'm right. excited. Oh, good. I'm glad you are excited. We're going to have a lot of fun today. So, like I said at the top of the episode, we're talking about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Lita, what were your initial thoughts? When I said, hey, you want to be on the show talking about this movie? Well, I since I had never seen the movie, I'd never even really heard about the movie. So I didn't have any thoughts really other than okay well I'll watch this other movie that in somehow incorporates Beatles songs and I'm not sure how I know I'm in love with Across the Universe I have no idea Great about film. this other one so I'm going to watch it because this is homework for this thing I'm doing tomorrow like I had no <laughs> idea what I was getting into <laughs> uh, you, I, I saw that you, you posted on social media at like 3 in the morning that you were just raving about it and yeah. that was that I, I I was speechless when I said, like, oh, my gosh, somebody, this reached to somebody, and yeah. I'm glad that did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, within about five minutes into the movie, I just thought, 
Oh, what? Yeah, this is something special. This has existed (laughs) this whole time. I didn't even know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people. It's it's, it's one of those things. Either you have no idea it exists or it's like your favorite thing because it's such a, a rare jewel of a film. Yes. That it was almost like it almost didn't fit the criteria for the show. Because I always like to talk about movies that people have a very strong negative opinion of. Well, I will tell you, and there were some strong negative opinions expressed on that Facebook. Yeah, I guess yeah, there, there oh. really was, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. I think about it. There is. Aaron, what were your, what's your backstory with Sgt. Pepper? When did you first see it? When mm. did you... Uh, I first saw it in my early 20s. Uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine showed it to me because I love being in musicals and I dragged him to a bunch of musicals and when he found out that I had never seen this movie he was like well holy cow you're gonna love it so we watched it and then I went out and bought it and then watched it and watched it and still own it and, and watched did he it today like it when he had you watch it oh yeah. had he liked it mm-hmm. okay yeah he loves it yeah it's it's really good stuff so I'm glad that if anything came out of that relationship, I'm glad that your that your <laughs> situation. We brought I brought the copy of the DVD with us in the studio today, and we, we all keep looking at it. <laughs> in fact, we might just end the show and just watch the movie. I think that's yes. <laughs> Stephanie. What were your thoughts when uh, you first heard about this movie? Well, I'd heard about it before you asked me to be on the show, but I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it, mm-hmm. so I had to watch it, and I I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. It's beautiful. And then you find yourself singing along to it, too, mm-hmm. because of, I mm-hmm. mean, it's the Beatles. Yeah, it's the Beatles, but it's not. Uh-huh. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's, there's a definite, yeah, it's definitely Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees written all over yes. it, obviously. And Aerosmith. Yes, yes, yes. The big reveal that no. Aerosmith is in this movie. And Steve Martin. I was yeah. <laughs> Steve Martin. So many famous oh, folks man. are in this movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal how many famous people are in this movie when you really think about it that when i first came across sergeant pepper i was a, a young guy i was probably in my early teens I, I could have easily been 10 11 12 years old and i found it um at shopco uh they used to have a vhs tape movie rack in the front of the store by the registers and they had a bunch of different movies and this was glaring at me it was sergeant pepper's only hearts club band it had the uh, if you look at the record um or the cd uh, album it's a heart and i was like what is that and i look at it and it's like this is huh. like i didn't have much money to spend but i spent my, my candy money on that and i took it home um because i watched a lot of vhs movies a lot of movies when i was a kid and i just popped in it was exactly what you said like you're, you're just riveted you watch it there's like you're watching something bizarre uh there are scenes that are like grotesque almost mm-hmm. like it's a very bizarre uh movie and not only that it's it's really super wholesome like it's this really super wholesome it's literally the most um it says on the cover here it's a fantastical musical adventure and that is literally what it is um it's hosted and basically hosted and narrated by george burns mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the movie uh, if you haven't seen the movie but you're listening to this show thank you so much for this because you're giving us a chance we're going to sell you something hard on something you're going to enjoy <laughs> watching um it's <clears throat> It's essentially hosted by George Burns. He plays the mayor. Uh, he plays Mr. Kite, the mayor of Heartland, which is a lovely um, Mayberry type town that's clearly in the MGM backlot. Clearly, that they they film this in, and um, he's the only person that talks to the entire movie. 
Nobody else talks. Any other time that somebody's talking, they're talking in song lyrics from the Sgt. Pepper's album or the Abbey Road album are the two main sources for where this music came from. Yeah. <clears throat> I could sit and talk for an hour, but um, you're nodding your head, Lita. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you're the... Uh, I mean, it's been less than 24 hours since you've seen it. And I mean, what was the, one of the first things that jumped out at you? You said that it was like, somebody well, mentioned that it was beautiful, but what was jumping out at you? The first thing that jumped out for me, just because um, since I, I didn't know what it was about, mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I didn't, what, I'm, what I mean is I didn't understand that it was going to be like across the universe in mm-hmm. that it was going to be kind of reframing the songs and putting them to a different context. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard about Across the Universe, I was um, like, I didn't go see that on principle because the idea of it sounded so ridiculous to me. I just felt like, leave the Beatles songs alone. You don't need to, whatever, reinterpret them, repurpose, what the heck? You know, I just felt like the whole premise of it seemed hokey and unnecessary. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when I saw Across the Universe, I was blown away by how cool and creative it was to see these songs in a different context than than just an individual song on a CD or an album, you know, to see it where it was actually kind of reinterpreted and, and clearly probably used differently than what the Beatles had meant, but that was the point. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't realize Sgt. Pepper was going to be like that. So the, the first time that happened when he introduces the band and he comes across <laughs> literally introducing the band mm-hmm. and I realized like, Oh, this is going to be one of those movies where they, you know, put these songs like, oh, I just didn't. I mean, I couldn't love Across the Universe more. So the fact that I suddenly realized that this was going to be like this, obviously Mm -hmm. having happened before Across the Universe, I didn't know Across the Universe was, you know, had a predecessor. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I mean, the glee that I felt when I realized that's what I was in for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that that's the, the emotion. Oh yeah, especially seeing across the universe first, and mm-hmm. and having this something that's gleefully because, you know, because I remember when across the universe came out, it's like man, they're really gonna they're making a Beatles musical, knowing that this existed, knowing that I'd watched this for years, it was such a different take, exactly different take. Uh, I mean, even the where they where they went to with their songs, Strawberry Fields of all songs, and this mm-hmm. is a lovely song that she sings to him to uh to make him better and then across the universe it's about the killing fields of, of vietnam like are you yeah effing kidding me how intense those two interpretations are and the, the ones that always stuck out to me that were like the more feel-good ones that i really loved from this movie was almost impossible to watch going into to 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 across the universe because it was just such an intense take a more realistic take obviously but such more intense mm-hmm. What were your? Well, I'm the same too as I saw Across the Universe first. Yeah. And I loved it. I'm a fan Mm -hmm. of the Beatles, but Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those hardcore fans where it's like you can't do anything Mm -hmm. with their music. This is theirs. So I watched Across the Universe, absolutely loved it, and Mm -hmm. wondered why this had never been done before and why, you know, why aren't more people doing this kind of stuff? And then we come across Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the first time um, Mr. Kite appears and starts Mm -hmm. talking and singing, I was like, Oh, yeah, here this we go. Is, yeah, this, this is, is it. Yeah, this is something for mm-hmm. sure. You know, and, and, and that comes up a lot too, talking about this movie to people. They say, well, that's the Beatles music. It's kind of, you know, for, for a lot of us artistic types, that's kind of sacred, sacred, uh, sacred melodies. But then you really think about 
where their music has been used before. I mean, for one, this. Um, the Beatles weren't involved, but their uh, original director was. Um, George Martin, who is referred to as one of the fifth Beatles. Because there's like two or three fifth Beatles. Billy mm-hmm. Preston's mm-hmm. a fifth Beatle. He was in this movie, actually. But George Martin specifically was mentioned as the fifth Beatle by Paul um, uh, a couple years ago at a at a thing for them. But if you really think about what their music has been used for beyond across the universe, um, they they had a Guitar Hero game. They had their music right now is being used in a kids TV show on Netflix called Beat Bugs, mm, huh. and it's a CGI'd uh, show about little beetles, little bugs in this little girl's <laughs> front uh, backyard, and they shoehorn Beatles music into ev- to two or three songs in every single episode. You know, Blackbird is sung by a blackbird with a broken wing, and Saya actually sings uh, that song, mm. and Pink has been on the show. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I gotta sing. check this out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's called Beat. Yeah, Beat Bugs. It's a kids show. Um, it's a it's a kids show, but it's it, it's it's pretty good stuff. They've had uh, what else was that? Um, Eddie Vedder uh, did an episode, and they're singing um, a, a bunch of their songs. But they get like they uh, we do it in the road. They used that song in this kids show, and they made it work, and it's brilliant. <laughs> So if nice. you ever, yeah, get a chance, check out Beatbox. It's pretty good stuff. And it's on Netflix. So um, so when you start thinking of like, okay, well, the, yeah, the, this Beatles music is sacred to us. And it's it's amazing music. I'm really excited too about this movie yesterday. Have you guys heard about this movie? Yes, Coming I out? was just looking it up. Oh, actually. were you just looking it up yesterday? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Just the premise alone of this movie is fantastic. It looks good. Um, it's a movie about... Uh, uh, a struggling sing- songwriter, he can't, you know, catch a break singing his tunes. Um, oh yes, yeah, I did he hear about this. Yeah, he can't catch a break. So one time he's he's just randomly noodling a, a Beatles song, and his girlfriend's like, "What is that? Yeah, that is I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you find out that the Beatles never existed, ever. Yeah, but they existed in this guy's head, oh. and so all their songs, he just starts recording them and releasing them, and now all of a sudden he's. The cool thing. It's a Danny yeah. Boyle film. Yeah, it's a Danny Boyle mm-hmm. film. Oh, so it's yeah. it's coming out this summer. I'm really excited to see that. Again, that's another take of the sacred music. So when you think of it, you know, if you take about, okay, so you, you humanize a little bit. It's like, okay, we can do some fun stuff with this music. You get good, really good stuff like across the universe. And then you you, you come across Sgt. Pepper uh, movie, and it's literally a live-action cartoon with some of the most snidely whiplash villains that you've ever ever seen on even now or in late 70s uh, disco era movies but you know you you say sacred you say sacred music and we we all yeah the beatles are kind of like the basis for so much Mm -hmm. of, of what we've built on since but they never took themselves as seriously as other people took them and so i think that things like sergeant pepper and across the universe and the bug mm-hmm. show um it just really celebrates the fact that you know they they wrote really weird songs about random people in very random circumstances and i it is I almost feel like, like it's they very had a, fitting they had a location and a name generator and they just yeah. yep that sounds really good it's a garden and an octopus is there perfect prudence. okay yeah prudence i know what prudence wants perfect yeah put it on the album <laughs> i you know i just don't I don't buy and I don't the whole attitude that there's certain things that people that are off limits for other people to creatively reinterpret. 
I'm just not down with that. I think, I don't know if that comes from kind of a snobby place or kind of where that lives in people where they feel like they want to say like, you can't do this or you shouldn't touch that or you can't, you know, I mean, to me, I just feel like why I've been in choirs all of my life that are built on doing completely different reinterpretations of all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. We've heard, you know, complete rock orchestration versions of classical music like Mozart and I mean yeah. you know so I just feel like well why should there be certain bands or music where we feel like that music is untouchable and nobody should ever be able to reinterpret it or add their own spin to it like I just don't that basic premise to me doesn't hold any water so that anytime somebody starts kind of saying just on principle you shouldn't it, for me, it's like you've already lost me because I just don't buy that. I think the whole point is for other people to be able to add their stamp to it in a different interpretation. And even if it's something as simple as Earth, Wind, and Fire giving a funk rhythmic spin yes. to the song, brilliant. That you was know? a good It breathes a, a completely spot. different kind of life into the song. And mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want somebody to be inspired by something you created in a way that they want to do something else with it? Like, why would you think the only way to show respect for it is for them to try to mimic you exactly like you did it, and that's how they show respect? To me, it's about, does this inspire you to take it somewhere else and do something different with it? And I don't know. I don't know why people think that's a bad thing. I think it's awesome. Well, and the funny thing about that specific song that Earth, Wind & Fire did is I heard Earth, Wind & Fire do that song before I watched the movie, I didn't know that was a Beatles song. So when I first saw Sgt. Pepper, I was like, whoa, wait, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> my parents are huge Earth, Wind & Fire fans. And so I'd heard that song by Earth, Wind & Fire many, many times and had no idea. Yeah, no, that's funny. <laughs> well, you mentioned Aerosmith. Yeah, Come Together was a very early hit for them. Yeah. Um, it, it, oh, they got a name so for them. so young in, that, in the Holy movie. Holy right? smokes, yeah. is he? <laughs> Holy smokes. He is. They look fresh off of whatever Aerosmith truck they fell off. Of. <laughs> they they were way way young, uh, and that's and that's a good call out as far as the other people that are in this movie. Um, we'll just kind of go through, you know. You so you've got uh, Peter Frampton who plays B Billy Shears, which again they just took the name that was in a song and made it a character, a living breathing character in this movie. And then the Bee Gees. Now, seeing this movie a few times, I just they were just you know their names and then it realized when i was reading up on it they were played the hendersons as their last name oh, hendersons where i've heard that before from the benefit of mr kite the hendersons will all be there yeah. too um, like oh I you clever you clever uh -huh. clever late 70s <laughs> <laughs> script writers that's very clever and uh billy shears uh, his girlfriend is strawberry fields which is the most delightful character i think in this movie ever yes. she's just wonderful and then you you go through the rest of the the thing you know the famous people that have gone and do other things since this movie. This is kind of where they got their start. Uh, Donald Pleasance, which doesn't people not a lot of people know right off the bat, but Donald Pleasance was uh, Doctor Loomis from the Halloween series. He has a very big cult following. In fact, his interpretation of Doctor No, I believe, was one of the bases for Doctor Evil. The aesthetic oh. of Doctor Evil is the the guy that plays B D, which is big. Uh, Big the the I can't believe remember the character's name, but he represents Big Deal Records, BD uh -huh. Records. Uh, so Donald Pleasance again that goes on to do other things from this from the from the uh, 
James Bond movies and is known for the, the Halloween movies. And then the, the rest of the, the, the bad guys in this movie, um, mm-hmm. the first one being uh, Dr. Maxwell, which is played by the amazing Steve Martin <laughs> as uh, Dr. Maxwell, which if you remember the song, Bang Bang Maxwell Silver Hammer. He literally is killing people with this thing. And in this movie, he plays a, uh, um, what was it? Uh, uh, words that I, I speak for in, in life, I can't say right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> he plays a doctor. He plays a plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. And he uses that to make the old, uh, rich and famous young again. And to, to basically create uh, troops for the, the head honcho bad guy. It's almost like a video game where mm-hmm. these, these uh, the Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees have to go through these series of bad guys. Uh, at one point, it's Alice Cooper. And they're Cooper. all dressed like boy scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all dressed like scouts. Is Yeah, the, 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 the henchmen that they're all building in this movie, they're all dressed as scouts. Uh, and then the second one is Alice Cooper, who plays father's son, who was, a, uh, if you listen to the narrative, was a disgraced... Uh, um, something really happened guard or something yeah he was and so he basically set up his own televangelist religion Mm -hmm. and he's brainwashing people and the whole time his his minions are sitting there watching these tapes and he's just there eating a sandwich just playing the the video for them as they're sitting there chanting their we hate love joy yeah yeah, we hate joy we hate hate love we love love money money. (laughs) yeah and that that's it that's their motivation we hate joy we hate love we love money Perfect, perfect. It's a sound reasoning. Perfect, you guys. All right, you have a you have a concept. <laughs> you have a duplicatable business plan. Yeah, this is how much MLMs are created. <laughs> you have a duplicatable business model, and I like it. When I saw that Steve Martin scene, I had another one of those moments again of things that I didn't realize had been predecessors because, you know, the minute that character started. I saw the dentist from yep. Little Shop of Horrors. Right? Yeah. Isn't that literally? Oh, yeah. You know exactly. Yep. Yeah. And when I was researching this, exactly what they said. He, they saw them in this movie. This because this is huh. one of his first breakout. You know, he was a stand-up comedian. He was from SNL. They knew who he was, but this was something new they hadn't seen him do before, and that's why they got him into be the dentist from. From, yeah, which was always one of my in, in my younger days was always one of my dream roles mm-hmm. to play that role. Yes. So, to play the dentist. Which I have been um, considering doing this right here, the, the Dr. Maxwell, and some of my uh, variety shows that I've done before. I oh, think, cool. oh, you should. I think you'll see do this in late it. 2019. Or yeah, 2000. I'll, I'll do Dr. Maxwell. <laughs> I, think, I think it'd be a lot of fun. If I could talk right by the time I could get away <laughs> from that. So if you got... need anyone to hit with a hammer, I'll volunteer. I, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to put that in my notes. Aaron was full with a hammer. And then the big final battle, the final boss battle in this movie, obviously, is Aerosmith. Uh, and they sing Come Together, which is uh, an early hit for them. They play FVB, the Future Villain Band, which I can't think of a more, like, exact, like, how, it's almost like yeah. they knew that these guys were going to be huge yeah, hits. Yes. I mean, because Aerosmith uh, debuted in the 70s, but by 78, 79, they were still not quite Aerosmith yet. And I think this is really, if, if anything great came out of this movie, it's that the Aerosmith really gonna, it was, it was helped them put them front and center. They were, a lot pretty, of they were still pretty raunchy, right? Like, was this right around Sweet Emotion time? I think this is before I Sweet Emotion. Because I know in the 70s, it, it was still in the 70s when that came out. 
because I had some students who were going to do that for my 70s themed recital oh. until we realized what the words really were. And was like, nope. nope. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's come together or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got basically, yeah, so you've got um, this nice wholesome band from Heartland. And their role in this movie is they take over the moniker of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band from an uh, from the Great War or the War to End All Wars, which is World War One. And these guys uh, had four instruments, and these instruments brought peace and happiness to Heartland only. Apparently, from after watching this a couple times, because I mean, this was the, the rest of the world. Uh, world still still yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he, yeah, because they even say that these these. Uh, Instruments helped him get through the Depression and World War II, so they, it was helping out Heartland for sure, but nowhere else. But so the the doctor, uh, Mr. Kite, the the mayor of Heartland, is kind of the curator of these instruments. Once the original Doctor Pepper, uh, Doctor Sergeant Pepper, <laughs> passes, uh, dies, which that always struck out to me was the funniest thing. I can remember when I was a little kid watching this, how funny that was that they go through this whole history of Sergeant Pepper, and they're having their show and. Uh, they're having the the museum. They're they're having the, the grand opening museum, and w- R- George Burns is there with clearly like fake dark hair, and it's, <laughs> it was the the grand opening thing. And Sergeant Pepper's all aged by then. And they start playing, and halfway through the song, he just keels over dead, and it cuts back to George Burns. Now he's like, Meh, oh well. <laughs> so now <laughs> we've got yeah. these. Yeah, literally, like, well, that's over. So now he curates the the in the in the in the museum there the that holds this the. The instruments, and so the moniker of Sergeant Pepper is picked up uh, by the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton, but they don't play those instruments. But peace and happiness is still brought to Heartland, which I don't know. This is kind of a cool thing. I don't know. They, they don't play the instruments, which is like a, a cornet, a tuba, a bass a, drum, a bass drum, and a saxophone. Yeah. And um, they Sergeant Pepper's uh, these guys get signed by BD Records, which again the tying them into how they get picked up is literally they just get a telegraph mm-hmm. they get i a love telegraph. oh my gosh the telegraph oh the telegraph is so funny he oh kept my. coming through with this big old oversized telegraph yep. <gasps> mm-hmm. which was funny that was blue from um old school mm. you're my boy blue oh that yeah. that's him and he still looked the same yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it was the same guy uh, from old school, so this was like 30, 40 years ago, and he's a white beard and everything. But yeah, the the telegraph I love is because uh, come to come to Hollywood, stop, make lots of money, uh, and share your music, stop, and then the money will never stop. 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 And then, <laughs> and then so they decide, okay, so they up and go to Hollywood. They get into a hot air balloon. Yes. <laughs> they, they, yes. We're going to Hollywood, and they get in there with their little goggles and their glasses, and they climb into a hot air balloon, and off they go to Hollywood until they get picked up by the jet, which literally drives through the balloon, and all of a sudden they're popped into the plane, and they're going to Hollywood. Yes. And I just, I scream. Like, I was so excited <laughs> to see that again. It was so funny. Oh, my gosh. I just absolutely love it. Love, love, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they get, they get to Hollywood. And all of a sudden, the trappings of fame kind of corrupt yes. them. They get poisoned, and they sign their, their 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 rights away. And they immediately, as soon as they sign the contract from Big Deal Records, their shirts change to the the, the record logo mm-hmm. on their shirt, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of I don't know. It's a little nowadays like that's exactly what we would do. And I think for the late seventies, I think that's a little 
I don't know, I don't know, maybe it was a little too on the nose. Like that was still kind of like people had dreams of Hollywood mm-hmm. back then. Yep. That, uh, people kind of know better now that it's a little bit different and they have dreams to do that, but it's, it's a little different path. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? Like that, that's what really jumped out at me was um, the, 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 the trappings of Hollywood, the exact opposite of what they're talking about with, with uh, Heartland being so wholesome and, and, and happy. And they're like, there's no motivation for them to sign other than, Hey, you want to be rich and famous? Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's not that it went away from the characters. I just, I don't know. It was just really interesting to me. And Billy Shears half, is it his half brother or his step, step brother? Who's Ducky, his manager? Who's kind of pushes them. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. And yeah. he's money hungry. So he I is. think he kind of leads them into that. Which, uh, he, he, uh, falls in love with Lucy, the singer from Lucy and the Diamonds, which, yes. again, is a wonderful mm-hmm. way to make that. I mean, she's great in this movie. Yeah. I love yeah, that. she is. She's I mean, really cool. One of the, what, nothing about this movie is subtle. No, no. there is no yeah. subtlety. I mean, that's, I, that's, I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that every single thing it did, it did in neon you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it, did. Um, it held no punches at all. Yeah, and so I, I really appreciated that. I mean, I think that's what kind of gave it that um, live cartoon feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, even from those little things like you know when the the um, van driver was asleep mm-hmm. and he needed to wake up, and that punching the um, glove, mm-hmm. like the boxing glove, like came out of the side of the thing to punch his face. You know, mm-hmm. like a total. Um, you know, Bugs Bunny kind Mm -hmm. of move, you know, like, you know, just to me, it was like just every single moment was completely amplified somehow. We need Mm -hmm. to wake this guy up. How should we do it? Let's have a glove magically come out of the side (laughs) of the thing and punch him in the face. That'll wake him up. You know, how do we show these guys are getting fleeced? Well, let's (laughs) have them, you know, sign the shirts off of their backs. The minute they sign, the shirts disappear off of their backs. You know, I mean, it was just, to me, I was like, yes. And and, and, and to their credit too, the way that the the pretense of that too, is like, okay, how are we going to wake him up with a boxing glove? When you look at him, he's dressed as a boxer. His little the, the front of that van is covered in old timey boxing pictures. He's clearly an old boxer. <laughs> like, wh- why do they even take that step? Because in no way, shape, or form in this movie is it mentioned that Brute is his name is a boxer. It doesn't come into play at all. He doesn't box anybody. He's literally just dressed as a boxer. And I believe it's Mister Home from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Is it in a Beatles song? Uh, it might oh. be. Is the only thing that I can think of okay, is if Brute song. is. Uh, mentioned maybe in a song i don't know because he's the henchman of mean mr mustard mm-hmm. oh oh my goodness <laughs> uh frankie howard was the gentleman's name was an old british comedian he'd been around for decades decades if you were from england if you're you know us from america this is the only time we'd ever seen him he was not known ever in america but this guy and he was actually known i was doing some research on him he was fascinating he was like the king of the comeback he would like disappear and be gone for like 10 years and come mm. back and be doing more <laughs> things and then he'd go away and come back in and just the way he just owns every just slobbers over every single scene that he's in he just drips with disgusting and just oh yeah. it's wonderful oh yeah, my is. gosh i can't oh my gosh it'd uh, be a fun role to play it would be mm-hmm. oh mean mr mustard yes yeah talk about owning for one owning the role that he does i mm-hmm. think he sings you know he sings uh, uh the mean mr mustard song the way he just he sing talks like 
I'm a mean old man. Dirty old man. Dirty old man. Oh yes, my god. Dirty old, old man. man. Like, who are you talking to? Other than your creepy robots that you have in your van. So <laughs> those were brilliant. Too. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the robot. I mean, I immediately was oh. like, that's gonna be a Halloween costume one of these days. Yes. Oh who my will gosh, get the it? Robots. I don't know if anybody will get <laughs> it. The, yeah, they, they they did the human and robot suit thing that it's it's been the and they did it in uh, Superman. Um, they did it in a couple different things, but it's it's they're literally wearing leather bondage suits with red lips and really curly hair, and they're the robots that that are help running his van. Which and that was oh, my only disturbing, really my only kind <laughs> of like technical issue that I had with this movie was that in all of their songs, I felt like their voices were too down in the mix mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah. so i i and i and i was like how did that get past the sound people because i felt like it was hard to ever quite hear understand what they were saying mm-hmm. you know and that was why my one thing was i'd wish that would have been brought up because i thought that was such a clever way to deliver some of those songs it was so we had these you know people who some of them kind of talk sing some of these other totally really cool musical interpretations but then we had these robots robotic kind of otherworldly interpretations as well and i just i thought it was awesome i was just bummed that it was um it, it almost overpowered seems, I, yeah for sure it almost seems like they got a, they they figured out new technology and they're like okay we're going to use this that's yeah just, yeah and they can they almost were just seem so excited and then peter Listen. Franklin's like oh hey that's good. i'm gonna do this too <laughs> this is gonna be my shtick yeah this is gonna be my thing exactly <laughs> uh but yeah they're 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 delightfully creepy i i they always creeped me out uh um, but you know, watching it now is like it's actually pretty clever, yeah, pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, mean Mr. Mustard. And what I love about Mr. Mustard, too, there's a scene where he uh takes over Heartland once all the instruments are gone, he's able to come back in and literally take over Heartland because once the instruments are no longer protecting the town, it's immediately turns into a cesspool. Immediately, it looks almost like a hill valley from. Back to the Future too. That's exactly what I thought. Papers on the streets. Yeah, there's papers yeah. on the streets. Hookers. Yeah, hookers, hookers and then and a, 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 a hookers and blow. <laughs> but there's also the, the 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 trashy bar is actually just an arcade because if you look at it, it's just video <laughs> it's just games just being fun. played yeah. and they're just people are just trying to make babies with these things. Like, wow, this is <laughs> awful. But the the most brilliant piece is the center gazebo in town. He covers it with a gigantic hamburger with mustard dripping yes. off the sides. It's like, yes, I've arrived and this is my kingdom. Like, that's all he wanted was to take over Heartland. It doesn't affect anything else in the world, but it, that's his horrible slum. And he, he takes over the, the real estate agency. He takes over the, there's an insurance. Everywhere is like mustard themed everywhere. And one of them is like an insurance company. Like this guy had an infrastructure mm-hmm. in place. You know, he, <laughs> say what you want. The trains ran on time. <laughs> <laughs> he had an infrastructure uh, in place and uh, you have to uh, commend him for that. Um, yeah. Mr. Mustard is a really clever character. So Lucy uh, from Lucy and the Diamonds, there's a scene that she uh, poses. Cause if you notice, it's not prevalent right away but she's into a lot she's in a lot of scenes mm-hmm. she's always like the, the the lead henchwoman yes and one of the brilliant uh scenes is when they sing she's so heavy and she's taking the pictures of them um as they've signed their wills away to to be these these um famous singers and what really struck out of me i thought was cool clever was after they sign their we're gonna be rich and famous they drop a fake backdrop mm-hmm. of 
of of of Heartland to stand in front of. Like they're literally just inventing these 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 singers as backstory, recreating and homogenized for their own purposes. But they're like, yeah, we're we're cool, and they just go with it. And that's uh, Lucy just brilliantly just you could watch her like she's totally playing these guys. And I don't even think that she's playing the characters. I really think that she's tricked the Beaches and the Peter Frampton in this scene <laughs> because the way she's sitting there taking pictures and the way they're they're singing to her just it almost stops you in your tracks. I know does, I'm kind of over yeah. overthinking the scene, but um, it just really just just stops you in your tracks for sure i also love that scene because i think it's the first time that they actually look at the camera they do they do yeah he does uh one and i of, love that yeah what they really just they after a while you could tell it's like okay we're they know what they're in they know what they're doing they bought into it and i actually put it on the on my personal uh social media account the scene where they're all looking at her but uh the drummer. Um, the, the drummer of the Bee Gees. Um, Bear, no, it's not Barry. It's not Robin. It's Barry's the one Maurice. with the hair. Yeah, Barry's one. It's Maurice. Just looks right at the camera. It's like, yep. <laughs> this, this is happening. Everything you think happened behind the scenes of this movie is happening. Is happen. <laughs> You're lucky it's not in this movie. <laughs> but it's just so, so clever. And the way they, they work in, because um, they go off touring uh, Strawberry Fields comes into town to visit them and the only way that she has contact with them because they're gone they're off being famous is a billboard and they have the billboard of the Sergeant Pepper and Lucy and the Diamonds next to each other and in her head they sing a song together and since that was the only um, contact that she had with Billy and the band she invents this whole scene where they're singing together in this duet which is really cool it happens about halfway through the movie um and now the the song that they sing is like totally escaping me Lucy now. Is it it is Lucy? But is, yeah. it, is it is it a medley or is it or is it there are they all no, all four all of them they're all singing Lucy? Lucy? Yeah. yeah. I I felt really bad for for Strawberry in that scene because she's there to to visit her her man to see her friends um because Heartland's in trouble they need help and they're oblivious and the only thing she has to go by is like a photograph of them which is really indicative of how that would happen in real life mm -hmm. you, be, you know people get uber famous and they kind of go off and all you have left are the people that they loved that they only see them every once in a while and all they have left are pictures and the media that they've made i always thought that was touching to me yeah. <clears throat> getting all i thought it was touching it. um i thought the she's leaving home was really touching in mm -hmm. that whole part when she left she, yeah oh, she was like yeah. Oh, see them and she gets there and she's a... she's heartbroken because she has nothing else to go off of. well she's but her parents so. before like the before she even gets there when they do the, mm -hmm. you know, she's leaving home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that was a good so, use of so that touching. song. It was. Mm -hmm. It was. It's yeah. a really good use of that song. Um, and then she gets, you know, she gets. Plus, up. when she gets there, and what's his name? Not so. What the not Barry and Robin. Mm -hmm. Robin. So was it Robin Maurice. who was playing mm -hmm. the keyboard at that part? Mm -hmm. And he was doing the bluesy version of I can't remember the song he was singing when she got to the radio yeah. recording studio. Uh -huh. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was. So for one thing, oh it was just gosh. cool to see him playing keyboard. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that was a really cool bluesy, funky version yeah. of that song, and it really showcased his voice as well. Mm -hmm. You know, just things it just in a different kind of context. I mean, that was part of what I really loved about this movie which i didn't understand when i read the reviews because i didn't read the reviews until after mm -hmm. and like i don't need i don't understand i'm a musician i'm pretty good at it you know yeah. so i feel like my opinion is has a little bit of legitimacy i don't understand how anybody could criticize the musical quality 
of these reinterpretations that people were doing. Mm -hmm. If they just yeah. fundamentally felt like nobody should reinterpret a Beatles song, well, then that's something else. We already know how I feel about that. But I just <laughs> mean of how well those reinterpretations were executed. I don't see how anybody can question the musicality of it. They were no. musically yeah. solid, well sung, well performed, you know? And so to me, I was impressed by every single one of them. Every single one of those songs I felt like was done well, whether it was a song I personally liked a lot it was separate but i felt like all of those were really well done yeah who's the bass player in the bgs who played the bass yeah uh was it robin i think it was robin i think you're right played the so bass. Did, anyway there the is best. some crazy bass playing in when they play sergeant pepper on the tv show and then um when they have the breakdown of i want you like insane uh, bass mm. playing it really does showcase the range that the bgs had they really were more than just staying alive. They weren't just these falsetto, I don't know if that's the right octave they were, but they, <laughs> they were more than just this like, ha, ha, right. guys, that the, the, the range that they, that they show off in, the, in, 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 the, in, the, in this movie is, is really mm -hmm. good. Um, the album, you, you know, you mentioned the album, they, it was a double, you know, it was a double LP. I love how brilliant it is that they actually have footage of them printing the actual album in the movie. Oh, was that? That's the literally what the album. Wow. Yeah, if you look at the old, if you look up <laughs> pictures of the old records, yeah, it's just this big white thing with the big heart-shaped logo on it. Nice. The CDs the same way, and I just thought that was brilliant. Oh, how genius was that? Oh, we'll just film ourselves printing these. <laughs> hope these take off. And the the soundtrack itself is very very listenable. I mean, it's it's brilliant, and they they cover. Every song that's in this movie, like there's a couple on there that's not that didn't make it in the movie, but yeah, that soundtrack's been in my rotation for years and years and years. I remember I bought it off a of Columbia house. Back. <laughs> that's probably why they still keep calling me. Exactly, and I knew one of them was going to be was this one. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 an insanely good listen. Um, two of my favorite songs, um, I was bummed they were two that they didn't use. My favorite is within with. Within You Without You. Mm. That's a good one. I don't know how I would have felt about seeing their version of it, you know, because that is one of those that I hold really dear. But ah, I'd like to see if somebody else wanted to do something with it. That song I love. But then Lovely Rita, which is my theme song, because that's always what my mom sang to me. Lovely Rita. And I realized, hey, you didn't include that one either. But I forgive them because the movie was that good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. Dear Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, so the music is wonderful. The, the cinematography for its time is really good. It's bright. It's colorful. Everybody um, just is owning these roles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of think of when this movie was made. You know, it came out in 78, um, 79 area. The Beatles were very much alive, all four of them, very much so. All had very strong, they had, you know, they had since broken up, but they hadn't. Uh, performed in years, obviously by the time the late seventies rolled around. Um, so it's really surprisingly to me that it wasn't. You know, we, we talked earlier about like these sacred tunes, but that it was a harder sell now than it was back in the seventies. They were all on board with making this. Other, not the Beatles themselves, but their actual producer was on board to making this. Um, everybody that they were able to get to be in it, you know, a lot of them were, were kind of hungry at the time. Were, were was needing a, a big outlet for their, um, for their thing. I'm, I'm trying to find. So I guess my point is this: I'm trying to find a, an analog of what this would be like now, because it would be a much harder sell to make this particular story 
like say, oh, we're going to get the Jonas Brothers and <laughs> Bieber to be the Sergeant Pepper and tell this story. It'd be a lot harder sell now, but I'm trying to find an analog of some sort of, 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 of you know, m- musical something that's recreated less than 10 years later by a completely different uh, group of people while the people are still there. I don't know. I'm trying to, am I, is that making sense? And can you think is, of anything think, yeah. of what that would look like? I mean, the, the problem is I just don't feel like we have artists like that anymore that are, I that are right. so well known across all genres of people where you can, you know, almost anybody is going to be familiar with their songs and know their songs. You know, I, I just feel like, you know, you might have the Elton Johns or somebody who might kind of approach that level of mainstreamness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just, I, I just feel like it's different now. I feel like just times have changed or, you know. Yeah. Well, and they're still making movies with Beatles music, just like we talked about earlier yeah, with yesterday. The be- yeah. That's the Beatles music. They're the not old- doing it with anybody else. Mm-mm. No, it's, yeah, it's Beatles music, some other people. But then when you think about it, Glee. They were making songs that were the people that made them are still alive. Hey, That's I'm right true. here, true. and we're going to mm-hmm. continue that. And yeah. and it's time when that came out, that was huge. It when was. It, at the height mm-hmm. of, of when mm-hmm. Glee was out, that's the closest analog that I can think of. That's uh, we're, we're taking this media that's brand new, remaking it really quickly now with completely different people, and still making it something that people want to watch or at least accessible. I and guess I can't, it's. It's kind of a, an ultimate tribute in a way. In a way, it is. I came across, I'm glad you brought this up. I actually came across a brilliant, uh, amazing quote by Robin, which is just hilarious. Every time I, I bring this Robin move, Gibb? Robin Gibb. Yeah, okay. one of the Bee Gees. Um, uh, which <laughs> you always have to equivocate it to the old SNL sketch with uh, Jimmy Fallon and <laughs> about the, the, the talking up the Barry Gibb talk show. Because, like, okay, who was the third one? Well, obviously, it wasn't Barry or Robin because they were on the, that one. But uh, so this was Robin, which is the, oh, the gentleman here with the orange here on the, on the, the cover, the, the youngest of the Bee Gees. And his quote was now, this was. As the movie was coming out, words coming out is what, what they're doing. And he goes, um, he, he literally said, there is no such thing as the Beatles now. They don't exist as a band and never performed Sgt. Pepper live in any case. When ours comes out, it will be, in effect, as if theirs never existed. Ooh. Whoa. That gave me goosebumps. That's, whoa. I, wow. Isn't it, <laughs> that's, isn't it surprising? Yeah. Wow. Like, And that's... That's what he said in promoting the film or talking about the film. Well, like, well, like, how, do do that. That? Yeah. how do you process no. that? How do you process that? Like every every time something like this comes out in a different format, like, oh, it's done with love. Even Glee is like every single song they sing is, we love this so much. So here's, you know, here's another train song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to, to flat out say like, yeah. And I, for one, I couldn't find any evidence of them performing the Beatles performing Sgt. Mm. Pepper yeah. live because they hated, they didn't tour towards the end of their mm-hmm. as a band. They just did their, did their, their, their psychedelics and made their music that they wanted to make, which any kind of creative person would love that. You know, you, you do your, your accessible consumable stuff that will generate your income and you can spend the rest of your life just making whatever you want and yeah. doing it for yourself, not for, you know, for your own personal art's sake, not for something to mass market out. I mean, there's, there's that, mindset that a lot of creative people have is like i want my stuff to be seen i want it to be consumed but then i also want to have the freedom to do my own thing um 
So, and, and in a way they were, they were doing that. You can make a case that that's exactly as like, well, touring is such a slog and, and, um, John Lennon said, yeah, it's theater. We don't even like doing this anymore. So they, mm-hmm. they, they stopped touring for the longest time. But so I couldn't find any, any evidence of, of, you know, John standing there dressed as in these ridiculous, uh, marching band uh, <laughs> outfits. <clears throat> but yet every single cover band I came across, they're all wearing this. Which right. I, it's, it's, oh, it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> But yeah, for him to say that, yeah. So when ours comes out, it will be in effect as if theirs never existed. That's just negating the creators. That's yes. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna forget about that because I won't. That... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Won't it just sit in there? I want to oh, like this bro. movie. And we gotta I don't remember. Think of them as being, you know, that way. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna. I'm. Well, I'm gonna selectively forget. It, it, like I said, it was Robin Gibb. I mean, you got it. Like, okay, yeah. it was clearly he. He couldn't even match the rest of his bandmates in this picture. I always so. wondered about that. Why does he have the other colored costume? <laughs> Why doesn't Peter this? Frampton have the other colored costume? I don't that know. That weirded me out. Yeah, this. I don't know. I'm sure that's the picture they picked for that DVD. But in the back, they're all wearing different colors. But yeah, that, that's what that was. What Robin said. So hmm. that could set a precedence. Like, you know, you're doing something really. I don't know. Like, so and then what purpose is for it? career was all downhill from there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Until John Travolta showed up. Because <laughs> I can't remember when uh, Saturday Night Fever came out. Uh, when anybody have Let's find quick out. access to that? Because if this was... You're looking to look at it. Oh, hey. Thanks, Brett. Brett's working the boards for us tonight. <laughs> so the difference, though, for me with the Glee stuff is that, you know, those are all just... I feel like it's easy to just individually take songs that fit your plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's different to take one artist's piece of work and reinterpret the songs within it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different level of interesting than being like, here's our plot, what songs fit into yeah. this mm-hmm. by completely different artists that aren't connected in any way. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so. Sorry, Saturday Night Fever came out in 77. Okay. Oh, so this was like all two years later. After this. Yeah, so yeah. they used all that goodwill from Saturday Night comment. Fever. Yeah, and then Robin had opened his Robin mouth, and that's <laughs> what... All those Beatles fans <laughs> were like, nope. Oh. Yeah. Nope. That sounds a lot like when they do remake a movie, and like, we're going to do something different, but we're going to do something that's good for the original fans as well. Then don't make this. Yeah. <laughs> don't that's what's do good it. for the don't fans. Don't do that. Yep. Um, yeah, that's... Then, yeah, just don't. Um, of course, here I am building a, a little show about talking about these remakes and reboots and stuff like that. And half of the shows that we're we'll doing. Are they remaking this one? Oh, I don't know if they'll be remaking this they one. They should. This is. It'd be interesting to this, see with yeah. new bands. Yeah. I think this was looking at this would be right for one of those live shows that they do like on TV, like they did Grease oh, and they did yeah. they did Rocky Ooh. Horror and Rent and stuff like that. That'd I think this. Cool. If there was anything that would be ripe for something that can be presented on stage very mm-hmm. easily, I think this would be perfectly fine i mean you need a heartline set a heartland set a van and then you can use just a a regular area for the different the three different uh villain places which as we're talking about it really does play out like a video game like it is definitely a really a proto uh uh scott versus scott pilgrim versus the world because he has to go through the different levels until we get the big boss which is the future villain band (laughs) so yeah i was really i didn't want to drop that bomb of that quote on here but like it's just too well it actually it makes me wonder how much that contributed i mean did he say that at the time of the release of it because i honestly like i literally was confused when i was reading the wikipedia quotes from the critics 
and it was just so slammed on every angle and things that I, you know, the some of the acting skills that I legit felt like were totally fine. I've seen worse acting. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, things that I was like that, that actually did a really good job. I mean, it was just so panned and like despised on a level that to me, I just felt confused by hmm. like, why do you guys, this was really good. And it makes me wonder if that kind of attitude though, been. because I probably would have felt if somebody had that kind of irreverence about somebody who was clearly so respected and should be, mm-hmm. I would have yeah. been completely uninterested in whatever they were doing anyway, just because of their irreverence. You know right. what I mean? So I wonder if that played into some of the critical panning Possibly. of it. And it, and that could be taken out of context. Like I don't know what what he said before or after that, but in and itself, that's bad. Was was big yeah. enough to say you know that, that takes some some. Uh, some kind of verbal gymnastics to get yourself out of saying something like yeah. that. <laughs> Even if you're choking, it's like, it's like he never existed. Oh, crap. Oh, I should have yeah. said that. Backpedal, <laughs> backpedal. Exactly. <laughs> oh. uh, so we would be remiss if we didn't, we, we did mention the, our guests at the end of the movie. It, the movie oh ends with them recreating the album cover, but instead of historical features on cardboard cutouts, it's literally a grandstand of about 50 or 60 different 70s icons or basically people who are alive and were in the los angeles area uh in the fall of 2000 uh, of 1977 uh to to show up there to be on this uh huge huge stage where they're singing and there's even choreography half mm-hmm. of them are doing this yeah the other half they're trying. has they're trying <laughs> they have you could tell you could literally tell that they okay do this and then do that and, and then that's it. Play the trombone for a second and then do some more. And half of them can barely, probably didn't even know, like, they, I, I have no idea. Like, 70s were <laughs> a were fun time. They were living the rock star dream. They were definitely, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, if you look at the list, the list, is on, the, the list uh, was in the credits of the movie. Carol Channing was there. Jose, uh, Jose Valencia was there. Sean Anna, um, Leaf Garrett. Hart. Uh, Hart. Etta James. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, Etta yeah. James was there. Robert Palmer, Bonnie Raitt. Wow. Yeah, Bonnie Tina Raitt Rivera. of all people. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Turner, Frankie Valley, Hank Williams Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ton of people. Yeah, the special, the special. Yeah, uh, Peter. Um, we got the list here. Keith Carradine is there. Um, yeah, Rick Derringer, Doctor John. Um, we said we said Leaf Garrett. You uh, said Hart, Etta James. DC LaRue, like half of these people, like uh, Mark Lindsay was there. Um, Curtis Mayfield, um, Wilson Pickett. It's unbelievable the list of these uh, Seals and Croft, Del Shannon, Joe Simon, Connie Stevens. Yeah, uh, Tina Turner, Frankie Valley, um, yeah, Hank Williams Jr., Wolfman Jack. Just an amazing group of people that they got to just for this one little brief cameo to do. Um, it, it's really a sight to see when you see it play out, and they're all singing the Sergeant Pepper, Sergeant Pepper, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. And they all just love it. They love that they're the fact that they're they're there. Half of them do. If you really look close, half of them was like, I have no idea. Like, oh, what am I, I doing? Here? I didn't get oh the impression from any any of them though that they didn't want to be there. I mean, I, I got the impression from some of their faces that they didn't know what they're supposed to do. Yes. Yeah, like, clearly yeah. they Definitely. didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. No. But well, that's I mean, a lot I, of people to get together in one place. It is, you know. But I didn't get the impression that anybody felt like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I just didn't feel like that at any point of the movie yeah. at all. Like, I, I never yeah. had a feeling that anybody who was there was anything less than completely ecstatic to be. Yes. They all looked like they were there. having so much mm-hmm. fun, especially the Bee Gees. 
The I Bee Gees. Mean, yeah. They looked they like did. they were having yeah, fun. They, they loved every... And you say, you know, people say, oh, the acting is terrible. They were doing mime the whole time because they didn't <laughs> speak. They just really had to react to what was going on and try to emote with their face. And I don't care how much of a, of a learned actor you are. You know, there's some really good actors here in this room. I don't know if we could pull that off as well as they do. They did especially, great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did a great job. The really awkward scenes, like we mentioned earlier with the She's So Heavy. That song is very, very slow, but they have to perform it like they're really excited about what's going on. And you can even tell they're just like, heavy. <laughs> they have to sit there and hold this like uh, motion for a second to set the song to yeah. get caught up with yeah. them. And you can totally like have mm-hmm. one at one point they close their eyes because they just have to go away from the scene because <laughs> they don't know what else to do. And I don't see I don't know anybody that would be able to, to do that like that as as they, they 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 did it and it worked great they for did. them and they owned it they totally did yeah they totally played that those naive young guys we have no idea what the heck we're doing um um but they, yeah they, they they did it wonderfully and to give them credit so you say the acting is bad and try to perform to the lyrics as the song is being sung is really difficult to do and for guys that have no acting experiences i don't really remember the bgs doing anything as far as acting wise i mean mm-hmm. it's not this isn't sting we're talking to like this is <laughs> this is the bgs um so yeah to their credit I, to someone say the acting is horrible um said, but George you know Burns. like i said all all of those critical things to me i just felt like did we watch the same movie and yeah. i just feel like maybe it's just one of those things where the distance changes the perspective of it and I honestly do wonder stuff like that quote played into it that in the time Mm -hmm. the attitude about it was somehow a little bit soured because one of the one of the reviews that I said said something about um the humor so it's talking about it um the musical numbers were strung together so mindlessly what? that the movie has the feel of an interminable variety show. I felt like it was extreme. She said that while it may have been, quote, conceived in a spirit of merriment, watching it feels like playing shuffleboard at the absolute insistence of a bossy shipboard social director. When whimsy gets to be this overbearing, it simply isn't whimsy anymore. Unquote. Hmm. And huh. I felt like what like that to me this movie was the epitome of whimsical joyous you know just bam 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 like i don't know i felt like i could i i i I would say that that's probably that we have the the benefit of time Mm -hmm. i was thinking that too because what what she mentioned there about the uh, uh a variety show um put to a movie i mean that's pretty much what this is is you're watching a but, variety show that everybody did back then i mean the brady kids had their yeah, own variety special but her point was that it wasn't strung together well strung together so mindlessly like that it didn't have a cohesion to it and i felt like the storyline was completely strong mm-hmm. yeah i didn't I feel so like i was watching separate songs being done with some kind of flimsy thing to try to kind of piece them together i felt like i was watching a very clearly thought out plot Yep. Yeah, it was a full yeah. story. You know, yeah, it was a, a full story, and and maybe just suffered from fatigue of that era because yeah. I said there was every weekend had other specials. You know, like I said, if the Brady kids could have one, if they even made fun of that in, in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, where part of his his career he did a seventies, he did a seventies variety hour that That's were right. just absolutely campy and horrible. Uh, if you, well, I, I can't say that they're horrible, but they're 
they're definitely a product of their time. And I think that that's the best. Uh, I just distilled this down. I actually like what she pointed out there, that it is a, a live action 70s musical special because they did have a narrative that they tried to go to with a lot of those things. And they, they literally, they pulled off a really good narrative with this and it was literally here's, and here's special guest Alice Cooper with, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. with this, the song that he, he does. You know what I'd like to see it, this one guy says, it's a reminder that the film is otherwise humorless besides Steve Martin's scene. Huh? Humorless. Come on. Oh, so here's what no. you need to do. Okay. What you need to do is you need to contact <laughs> yes. the grandchildren. You need to do a follow up <laughs> of these, of these um, reviewers. I want you to see if you can contact any of them. The and, reviewers was that from Wikipedia? Uh huh. Reviewers. All right. I would love to. I would love to know if, given some time and space, if, if they, they feel the same way. Like I would just. This is what you said about it then. What do you think about I've it? I've been now? really swinging for the fences in this show, and I honestly, I think I'm going to take on this, oh this thing, God. and I'm going to try to contact some of these people. So you should. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to. I'm going to try to reach see if I can get some yes. emails, get some responses back, other thoughts on this, because, yeah, I think this this movie's fantastic. We're going to actually get this wrapped up. Um, I think we hit some really good points as far as the brilliance of this movie, Stephanie. Any final takes that you would like to share with us or any yeah. cool things you would like to share? Actually, what I was just thinking is those reviews, it makes you wonder what came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I just did a quick search for 1979 movies. We've got Alien, Apocalypse Now, The Warriors, uh, Life of Brian. And Whoa. so you've, yeah, you've got all <laughs> these other films coming out at the same time that are so very different. And so very, yeah, like not even on the same page. Like ushering as, in a new era of film Exactly, exactly. It yeah. is a very, yeah. wow, uh-huh. we hit a breakthrough here, yeah. I think. So that. that could be what some of those reviews, why they were so like that. So there could have been uh, genre fatigue in mm-hmm. this respect. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, very good point. Good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that's my OMG. closing OMG. OMG, <laughs> female filmmakers. Uh, filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> you were the, the biggest fan. Uh, of this movie, yeah. Aaron, almost as big as I was. Almost. And I think I think you're bigger <laughs> fan than I am. But uh, so, what what do you think of your final thoughts or things that you'd like to to oh, PS on this? My final film? thoughts are: anyone who watched this show and didn't like it, I feel like you need to give it another chance. And anyone who has not seen the show because people have told them that it's not good, you need to give it a chance. It it, it definitely deserves to be watched yeah. at, least, at least once. And just, so. I mean, it opens up with the war ending because of a band of four people walking through the war yeah. torn street. I a mean, parade. like it yeah. sets up that it is like this, this, you know, fanciful mm-hmm. world. And if you just let yourself go there, you're going to enjoy it. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah, totally. I even jot that jot it down in my notes. The movie opens up in Fleur de Coupe, France, with uh, <laughs> Fleur de Coupe, Fleur de Coupe, France. <laughs> clever, clever late seventies joke there. Um, yeah, with a with a with a parade with a with a four piece, uh, little uh, band parade. I don't know what you'd even call this this quartet of instruments, but it's it's wonderful. Leah, any kind of final thing, thoughts? I would say. As an actor and a musician, um, understanding how difficult it is to play comedy and how difficult it is to musically reinterpret somebody else's thing and truly add your own spin, not just do a cover that's a good, you know, kind of 
redo of theirs, but to truly make it something different, that's hard to do. And I think in a movie like this, it can maybe seem silly enough that, that the actual skill that's happening isn't recognized, yeah. that maybe yeah, that's part of I it, agree. you know, but... But um, but take it from somebody who does this, and for all of the musicians and actors out there, I would love to hear their viewpoints as well about how actually how much skill it took to pull that off. And it can seem like hook hook bleh, 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 but it, that was some tricky stuff. And the yeah. the choreography was epic. You know, sometimes there's scenes where there's literally hundreds of people doing these very specific actions in this grand scale i mean it the timing of it the scene that you were talking about in the arcade which reminded yeah. me of paula mm-hmm. abdul's cold-hearted snake mm-hmm. you know choreography yeah. where they're all weaving in and out i mean it was it was the skill level was impressive start to finish absolutely yeah you're the, the costuming the yes. are you kidding me oh with my those gosh costumes? yeah if i could I want a mean Mr. Mustard jacket. Literally, every time it's a a blustery day, it's like, ooh, (laughs) get all cozy up. Yeah, exactly. The the look of it, the costumes, the choreography, the music. It is very, very hard. You you said it, to do comedy in itself. And it's hard to do music in itself. The album, I think, outlived, clearly outlived the movie. um, Because the album is fantastic and it's still very much listenable. This is literally a, a, a one of these situations where the sum did not equal the whole of the parts. Every aspect of this movie is 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 in and itself amazing. Um, I posted the clip of just the Steve Martin clip on, on my on my on my Facebook the other day, and people loved it. And they like, what is? People are messaging me like, where was this? We've never seen this before. And it's like, yeah, and that's just the iceberg of what's in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 a wonderful wonderful film. And if you're a fan of music, if you're a fan of comedy, if you're a fan of anything, uh, just to watch these grown men clown themselves to this level i mean they they buy into it the whole time you believe them that they're just these starry-eyed uh podunks from from heartland that just like oh this is amazing and they're there's actually a noble story that they tell it's like we need to save our town and they immediately do that um yeah some of the, the jokes and the humor is so brilliant and i guess it is a product of it being two years too late Maybe if you think about it, yeah. I mean, what you said about came out seventy nine. I mean, you can't put this cartoon of a flick that's okay. We're gonna be kind with this, but this is clearly there was money that wanted to be made by making this. Mm-hmm. There was clearly yeah. there was a financial gain to be made by making this. But you can't stack this up next to movies like Apocalypse Alien now. and Apocalypse, yeah. Apocalypse now, now. These movies yeah. that are gone down as masterpieces mm-hmm. to this that's. In and itself, a great exercise in in frivolity mm-hmm. and coming off as being as memorable as its contemporaries. It's kind of tragic. It is tragic uh, because but... it's not any better. Like yeah. qualitatively, the acting in Apocalypse Now is not better than it's the acting no... in this. It's just, it's just they're so it's different. different. And that's and Sergeant Pepper skill. is the one that's going to look like the joke mm-hmm. yes. compared yeah. to the serious acting and drama. When in fact the skill level and what they executed there was done just as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just there a was, genre that isn't taken as seriously. Exactly, um, and that's and that's why they uh, and a lot of other films in this type of genre are timeless. Timeless. You know, we don't have to do a a Bye Bye Birdie episode or a Hello Dolly episode because mm-hmm. those movies are still from that time period or West Side Story are looked at as is these great films. And, and then you've got Sergeant Pepper, which. Like I said, I, I, 
I, I literally think that two years later, earlier, I think would have we wouldn't have had to do this episode and everybody would have known this and like this. Yeah. Know, but, um, I want to thank you all for coming. Uh, this was a delight. Um, this was wonderful. Like I said, it was one of my favorite movies that I want to do for the show. And I'm really thankful, Lita, Aaron, and Stephanie, for you guys to come and to be on this uh, episode talking about this movie. And I'm glad that you got to say, talk, uh, Aaron, you got to say, talk about something that you passionately love. Yes. I was uh, excited. Thanks for the of invitation. Course. Of course, and uh, Lita and Stephanie who is new to this. Yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful. Uh, Honestly, I'm so too. grateful no, because was... I'm busy. And you are busy. If and... you hadn't asked me to come talk about this, if this had just been a recommendation, like you should watch this sometime, it well, never would have watched it. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, exactly. I literally yeah. like the the ways that this has inspired me for things that I want to do. You know, it I'm like, oh, comes. that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. legit on a, on a yeah. different. It elevated my creative thinking about things I want to try to do. And the fact that people have been doing this for a long time, I'm like, what? If I had seen this and these those seeds had been planted and all along in my creative endeavors, I had known people had done that kind of cool stuff, what might I have done? You know, it just like yeah. opened a world. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess I should have thought of this before, but I didn't. But now that I am, <laughs> exactly, whoa, I you love know? that. Yeah. Talk about goosebumps. So thank you so much. Um, Brett, thanks for the show. We went a little bit longer than we wanted to, but when you're you're in a groove and you're talking about something you love, uh, that's why you're here. And thank you so much, <laughs> you three, for coming. Indeed. So, thanks, Joe. uh, thank you, Joey. You're most welcome. Thank you. Um, so, like I said, this is the Be Kind Rewind. Find us on your platforms, and we love you. And remember, if you're going to have a rewind, you might as well be kind. Thank you.